0: the first in our four-week series leading us into the Christmas season. And we really did think a focus on some of our favorite Christmas carols was appropriate because they're based on God's word. And the very first one that should have been the second one but is now the first one is called O Holy Night. And I want to share some background and some context on this crazy cool Song, so it was written in the mid 1800s by a French merchant and poet, and I'm totally going to butcher his name, but it doesn't matter. He's not here, Placide Capot. So a local priest knew this guy and knew that he was a really, really good poet, and so he approached him and he said, "Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you write a poem based on Luke chapter two, the birth story of Jesus?" And and Placide agrees to do that. Now, what's interesting about that is Placide was not a believer. Like, he was about the farthest thing from a Christian that a Christian, in fact, he was known as one hell-raising party animal kind of guy. But he agrees to do it. And he writes the poem, and he likes it so much that he enlists the aid of a friend of his who was a musician. And he said, hey, can you put this to music? And this guy, likewise, was not a person of... Faith. In fact, he was uh, Placide's partner in crime as they would rabble-rouse in the community. Well, as you can imagine and as you see, here we are 250-plus years later, and this song is still one of the classic, no-kidding, favorite songs of the Christmas season. And so it took off like wildfire in the Catholic Church. But then some of the higher-ups in the system found out the origin of the song and the men who wrote it, and they tried to kill it, and it didn't work. It totally didn't work. And to our, uh, I think, blessing that it didn't work. And personally, I think that priest got it right because he was leveraging the talents of the unbeliever for God. And I think we should leverage the talents of everyone for the glory of God. The priest got it right. Okay, one other cool fact about the song, then we'll get into today's message. About 50 years later, on Christmas Eve of 1906, our U.S. Navy ships are at sea, and they get a Morse Systems message that says, Stand by for something amazing. And so they're all out there and they're waiting, and of course, they're thinking they're going to hear the of Morse code. Instead, what they heard was a guy named Reginald Fessenden reading from the book of Luke, chapter 2, the very first ever AM radio broadcast in history. So the very first word to go out over the airwaves was the word of God. Amen? Yeah. Okay, then he follows that with the first song to ever be played over the airwaves. Oh, holy night. Yeah, what a great foundation to... Start this series. So since today's carol is based on Luke chapter two, the story of the birth of Christ, I thought it a good idea if we might put our focus on the very same thing. Enjoy this video rendition of Luke two.
1: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
0: So I don't know about you, but for me, as I relive that story, whether reading it personally in the Bible or hearing it here, I cannot help but to get this nativity scene picture in my brain. I mean... I mean, just look at it. Mary looking down at her newborn son, right? People gathered all around, bowing to the king. Even the animals, it seems, bow in reverence to Christ. So reverent, so peaceful, so beautiful, (laughs) and so crazy unrealistic, I mean, think about it for a minute, really. She just had a baby. I don't see the peaceful moment going on there. I kind of see the chaos of what it looks like after a woman has a baby. Think of, She was a teenage girl, for crying out loud. She met an angel face to face and was given a child miraculously through the Holy Spirit. That in itself must have just freaked the poor girl out. Then she and Joseph, who was also likely a teenager. Well, they travel on the back of a donkey for somewhere between 80 to 120 miles. How many women in the house want to sign up for that Christmas vacation? I, not, not a single hand. Imagine that. Then they come into town. No place to stay. So they go to what many scholars believe was probably a cave. A cave that animals would take shelter in in inclement weather. No doctors, no nurses, no midwife, no drugs, and a fiancé with no clue. Peaceful? Beautiful? I don't think so. I think it was a night of utter chaos. But it was indeed A holy one. So here's the the point. Behind my personal vision of what that night must really have looked like. It was a holy night. A savior was born. I mean the world has been groaning. Under the consequences of sin for generations. And they had been waiting for the moment. That he would appear. And when he did. Humanity began to understand its worth to God That that verse in the song And the soul finally felt its worth There are two verses in that song That are going to kind of guide the conversation this morning The one that talks about a thrill of hope That comes to a weary world And right behind that thrill of hope Is a new And glorious Morning A weary world I I don't know what that looks like for you I'll be the first to admit I live an unbelievably Incredibly Blessed life We aren't like Overly rich at least not by American standards but we're Comfortable we have a good home We have plenty of food I have got the crazy most craziest loving yeah, they are crazy family, but crazy loving. Crazy in a good way. And at the same time, I feel the weight of a weary world. As you can imagine doing what I do for a living. Occasionally I get to sit down with folks that are experiencing those dark nights. I've been To war and seen its brutal, ugly face up close. I've lost family members to cancer. I've seen our economy disintegrate. You and I just witnessed probably one of the most divisive times in recent history. With an election in a nation that is now sorely divided. I live in a nation where unborn babies are not valued as precious little humans. We live in a weary world. And we in America have it better than most every other human being on the planet. And yet, I would bet most of you feel like me. You feel the weight. You feel the weariness of the world that we live in. But what you've got to love about this song and about the foundation from which it comes is you need to allow it to capture your heart and, and move into Christmas and embrace it as a season of hope instead of wearying it. Even in the chaos of this holy night, there was a thrill of hope. You see, put yourself in the mindset of those shepherds and the people in the area. See, the people of Israel, they had placed their faith in God for centuries. They had grown up being taught the scriptures. They had grown up with all the prophecies that said someday, one day, someone is coming. A savior will be born. They had spent their lives in anticipation of that one day. With that potential thrill of hope. And this was the one day. So I just I just pray to God. If there's any weary in your world today. That you might experience a thrill of hope. This Christmas. I pray that inside your weary world. You find the strength to rejoice because even in the chaos of the night is a new and glorious morn. And even in the chaos of what your world might look like today, I promise you there is the possibility. There is the potential of a new and glorious morning. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Lamentations, which is is not a book that I recall ever having taught out of. So Lamentations, Old Testament, if you're in New Version, just tap on it because we put it in there for you. The rest of you, you have to do that flip through the Bible thing. Lamentations, what the heck is that? While you're doing that, let me give you some context on this Bible book. It was written by the prophet Jeremiah, and he is known as the weeping prophet Because he is living in the midst of world chaos. It's 586 B.C. Israel has been conquered. Its people have been taken off into captivity. And Jeremiah is crushed as the prophet of God. Crushed. I'd say that qualifies as a weary world. In the first 19 verses, this chapter Is the pouring out of the heart of Jeremiah. He's lamenting, thus, the name of the book, Lamentations. He's weeping, he's hurting. But then, beginning in verse 21, he moves from the pain, from the chaos of a dark night of the soul, to a place you might not imagine him going. So, I really want us to see the shift. An attitude that happens. So I'm going to start all the way back in verse 17. I have been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. My splendor is gone. And all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction. I remember my wandering. I remember bitterness and gall. I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Man, doesn't that just take the wind out of your sails when you read that? Don't you just just feel the author's pain? And I suspect in a crowd this size, some of us feel exactly the way he felt when he wrote it. Some of us are experiencing a downcast soul, a difficult season, a chaotic night. You know exactly how he feels. So it's important you pay attention to verse 21 and beyond. So even though he is just downcast, he says this, and yet... This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They're new every morn. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, and therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I want you to see the shift in attitude, the shift in heart, the shift that happens. And I'd like to share with you, both in light of this text and the song, a new day with Christ. Brings exactly what we need. In fact, that's going to be a running theme today. A new day with Christ. A new day with Christ. And all of the things that come from a new and glorious morn after a holy night and experiencing a new day. A new day with Christ brings what we need. Notice I didn't say what we want needs and wants are so incredibly different but the lord promises to provide all of our needs all of the time each and every day so i don't know about you but occasionally i will wake up not quite the perky little self that i am once in a while i have a just one of those mornings where you just wake up and you don't feel like wonderful you don't feel like singing Good morning, honey. Right? Don't you have days like that? You wake up and all you want to do is, is just kind of roll over and go back to sleep. Now, if you're a parent of a teenager, you are a teenager. That is normal behavior. We're not talking about you. <laughs> the rest of us. Yeah. Maybe you wake up and you think about a challenging task that you have ahead of you and you're not really looking forward to it like like. She wants you to do the laundry right before the Bronco game. And it's just not a happy moment. Or or maybe, maybe you wake up and you realize you're going to have to have a difficult conversation with someone in the workplace. And it's going to be confrontational. And it's not going to be fun. And that is not something you hope to wake up to. But it's the first thing on your mind, right? And it just sets the stage for a not so fun kind of day. Maybe you wake up and you realize you're going to have to have a conversation with one of those teenagers you're raising about a behavior that they entered into that that maybe you were going to have to have a tough conversation and you just don't want to face the day. Doesn't your spirit feel downcast within you? If that's the case, and the next time that is the case, because it will be someday, I, I, I would let challenge us to remember that a new and glorious morning comes When your morning begins with Christ. You see a new day and all of the challenges that come with it. Well in that new day Christ brings exactly what you and I need to get through it. If we look to him and we ask him and we trust him to do that. You see each day we should remind ourselves of that very fact. You see, if the weeping prophet in his time of anguish and agony can find a way to shift his mindset from a downcast spirit to praising God, we should be able to figure out how to do that as well. I want to show you exactly how he did that. And maybe you and I can follow the pattern. He says in verse 21, yet this I call to mind, yet Of this, I remind myself. Each and every day, I need to remind myself. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore, I have hope. Because the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will weep for him. (laughs) He's waiting for the hope. He's waiting for God to deliver on the promise that I'm going to get you through this day and I'm going to provide everything you need. You see, the Lord is my portion. What exactly does that mean? You ever sit down and read stuff like that and go, eh? See, where, where most scholars believe this comes from is when, the, when Israel was wandering in the desert and they had no food. And they were forced to rely on God each and every day for their food. A new morning broke. And there laying on the crown was the amazing bread of life called manna. And God gave them a portion each and every day. And see, see. He wanted to make sure that we understood we had to rely on him daily because if you tried to hoard some of that and take it and put it in your freezer that did not exist when they were wandering in the desert, um, it would actually, this stuff would turn into what some of you I know have growing in your refrigerators right now. Inside the plat, you look in and it's like green. It's a science experiment. Well, that's what happened to the daily bread that was provided to the Israelites as they were wandering in the, in the desert. It would rot. And it wasn't any good the next day. But the next day, there was a brand new portion just waiting for them. For for us, I I think about about in the Gospels where the disciples said, Hey, hey, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us to pray? And he says, Yeah, I'd I'd love to do that. When you pray, pray this way. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Our portion. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, it was a reminder to you and I and to his disciples. Each and every day, a portion of God is what's going to get us through the day. Because the new day with Christ in it changes everything. 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 A new day with Christ in it. What we need each and every day is a new day with Christ in it. And here's the good news. Christ is in every day. God is already in our today. And if you're worried about something for tomorrow, guess what? God is already in your tomorrow. And if you've got a struggling marriage, call this to mind. Remind yourself. That God is already in your today. God is in your tomorrow. God is in your marriage. And he'll give you whatever you need to get through. He's what your work relationships need. He's what your parent and child relationships need. He's your portion. He's your strength to face every day. A new day Christ always brings exactly what we need. And what we need is the presence of God. We need the strength of God. His power, His goodness, His love, His mercy, His wisdom. Jeremiah says, I remind myself, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and I will wait for Him. A new day in Christ. First thing is, he brings everything we need. The second thing I would draw your attention to in this is, a new day with Christ also brings us the hope to keep going. See, it's the thrill of hope in a weary world that causes them to rejoice, right? It's a thrill of hope that Christ in the day When we're in the midst of the chaos of the dark night. It's a belief that there's a new morning coming. There's a new and glorious morn. Lamentations once again at verse 25. He says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. There's a a guy named Al Lindsay. He's an author. He's an evangelist. And he penned a statement that really captures the concept of of hope. He said man can live about 40 days without food. Unless you're me. I don't live more than 40 minutes. Three days without water. Eight minutes without air. I don't get that one unless you're Michael Phelps. But for only one second without hope. And I totally get that one. Because when you lose hope, you're in a world of absolute, utter despair. And I think there are way too many people that we run into each and every day of our lives that are living hope-deprived lives. They're struggling to find places to put their hope. And sadly, I think we found a lot of wrong places in which to invest our hope. I shared a little bit about hope last week. We were talking about pain and suffering. And, and I have to keep myself focused on this thing called hope. Because what I shared last week is that if you have God in your life, There's pain and there's suffering. And if you do not have God in your life, there's pain and there's suffering. And the difference between the two is with God there's hope. That pain and suffering can be taken care of. And without Him, there's nothing but hopelessness. A weary world is searching For hope. And the Christian church has it. Christ has it. We should be sharing hope with a weary world. Some of us, especially in America, man, we find some crazy places to find hope. I guarantee you there's people in this room and there's a whole country full of people that put their hope in financial security. But it only takes one recession of 2008 to realize how quickly hope can be snatched away if we place our hope in money. Some put their hope in their status and stature and position of prominence in the company. And that hope is only going to last as long as the company lasts. Or it's only going to last until they find a newer, shinier version of you. To replace you. Some of us. Some of us put our hope in other people. Husbands into wives. Wives into husbands. Parents and kids into one another. We count on them for our happiness. Our joy. And our hope. To answer any question. To handle any hurt or heartache. But if there's one thing I'm certain about. When you place your hope in a human Humans will fail you. Not because they want to. They will give you their absolute best effort. But sometimes they'll fail. And so putting your hope in another human is setting yourself up for failure when they fail you. Hopelessness happens when we put our hope in the wrong places. And weariness comes with hopelessness. And the cure, the cure is faith in the promise of hope that comes from God. This comes to us from the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10. He says, let us hold unswervingly to hope. Let us hold fast. Let us hold tight. Let us never let go of this thing called hope that we profess. Not because we can hang on to it that tightly, but because the one who promised the hope. Is faithful, always faithful. I just love that picture of hanging on to the one thing that separates us from those who have no hope. It's our belief in the one who was born on that holy night. Take hold of the hope that we profess and don't ever let go. You see, the challenge today is that many of us do let go of this thing called hope. And instead, in the darkness, in the chaos, in the tragedy of a really dark night of the soul, we grab onto fear, despair, anxiety. See, the problem is we're letting go of the truth of God and embracing a lie of the enemy because God doesn't ever want us to be hopeless. But the enemy does because the longer he can keep us hopeless, the less we'll have our focus and intention on the one who brings hope. What we need to do is exact Opposite of that, to let go of fear and anxiety, let go of stress, let go of panic, let go of doubt and hold on to to hope. Hang on to the promises of God. Don't ever let go. Don't ever lose hope, especially the hope that comes with a new day, a new day that has Christ in it. Well, why do you think we try so hard to convince each and every one of us to start our day in prayer, to convince each and every one of us to open up the word of God and take hold of the hope of God? Because when you begin your new day with Christ, everything changes everything. I don't know if you're here this morning and you're the one who needs to hear that message of hope. If it's not you, my guess is you have someone in your life who you know who's facing a dark night of the soul and they've lost hope. So your job and my job is to tell them never give up. Never lose hope. Never surrender. It may be a dark night for a while. But there is a new day coming. An amazing new day that Christ brings. And that new day can be filled with hope. This is a weary world. But there's a thrill of hope. In the dawning of every new day. One final thought. So a new day with Christ brings what we need. Not what we want all the time, but it brings what we need. A new day with Christ can be a day filled with hope. And a new day with Christ will bring you help. Lamentations 3 at 26. This will be the last of our Lamentations passages this morning. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. There are some of us here today that, quite frankly, what you need to hear from this verse is that salvation is available in the Lord. And what you need most in your life today is a saved soul. Statistically, 25 percent of the people who attend church on a Sunday morning haven't yet made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the pure and simple truth of this verse is. It is good to wait quietly on the Lord for the salvation of the Lord. The thing you need most desperately on this new day is salvation for your soul. To embrace the one who was born that holy night. Who came, lived a sinless life, died, was resurrected from the dead. See, place your hope in him, your belief in him. Embrace that. That's the biggest thing that you need today. Now, many of you here, you know Jesus. And I know you know Jesus because I know your stories. I've been with you for years. Many of you have gotten baptized in a hot tub right here in this room. In a... That doesn't mean this verse has nothing for you. Maybe what you need today is to be saved out of a really tough situation in your life. But the lesson for both. Whether you're someone who's searching for God and not yet embraced him. Or someone who's embraced God but experienced the dark night. Hope comes with Christ. And Christ makes everything different. You see, it's amazing the difference one day with Christ can make in your life. And I can prove it. You, you guys have you read the story. Of this guy named Lazarus. Lazarus. Well sadly his, his appearance. In the Bible primarily is he's a dead guy. Right. That's the biggest story. That's the biggest contribution he makes. To the Bible. He's a dead guy. And Jesus comes. I mean this guy is so dead. That the King James version of the Bible. Says he's been dead so long. That he stinketh. Man, that's dead. I mean you're starting to look like that science experiment in the refrigerator, right? He is so dead that he stinks. Four days everyone had given up hope. And then Christ shows up. He looks into the grave. He says, Lazarus, get up, buddy, come on out. And Lazarus. Comes out of the tomb. Now, my guess is if you asked him, Lazarus would say, it's amazing the difference one day with Christ can make, right? So so I was thinking I was going to go ahead and recount a bunch of the miracle stories, right? And each person that was, was shown the mercy and the love of a miracle of Jesus Christ would tell you, wow, what a difference one day with Christ can make. But instead, I... I decided to let Jesus tell you in his own words. And here's how. As I was writing this. I was thinking. The book of Matthew. See, John the Baptist, he's in prison. And he is experiencing a dark night. He is, he is in a bad place. He's pretty sure he's not going to get out of there. And surely he didn't. His, he was beheaded eventually. But John is experiencing that moment. And he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask this question. Are you the one... Like, are you really the one? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Should we look for someone else? And here was Jesus' answer in his own words. He says, you go back and you tell John this. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Now, you think for a moment, if you're that blind person, that deaf person, the one suffering from leprosy, you're the person that was dead and got raised to life. Do you suppose each one of them might say, oh, my gosh, what a difference a day with Christ can make? If you've never heard the good news and you just came face to face with the miracle worker, Jesus Christ, let me tell you. How amazing it is. The difference one day with Jesus Christ can make. For those of you who came to faith later in life like I did. You think about the life you were experiencing before you embraced Jesus as Savior. And you think about the life you started experiencing the day after. Was it not one of the most amazing transformational moments of your life? It is amazing the difference one day. With Christ can make. And if you haven't invited them to be your Lord and Savior. I pray that you would do that today. And I look forward to your tomorrow. Because you are going to be amazed. Amazed. It changes everything. So I I opened this morning. Kind of exploding the myth of the nativity. The reverence. And the beauty. And I replaced it with a scene of chaos and no epidurals and babies and screaming. And I really apologize if I just blew up your every Christmas. As you put the nativity scene out, you'll never look at it the same again. I do. I apologize for that. But the reality is, in my mind, it must have been utter chaos. Some of you right now, you're experiencing that night. There's screaming. There's no epidural. The baby is coming and it's scary. And your soul is downcast within you. But then in the middle of that night, all of a sudden, in the middle of a weary world, you're reminded that because Jesus was born on that holy night, you can have hope. There's a thrill of hope as a weary world rejoices. There's a new and glorious morn waiting for each and every person that embraces Jesus for who he is. Because you see, a new day with Christ, it brings exactly what you need. A new day with Christ brings hope. A new day with Christ brings hope help. One closing verse. If you're suffering through a chaotic night or a week or a year, sometimes those dark nights go on for a long time. This is a shout out from the God of the universe just for you. Romans 13. The hour has already come for you to wake up. From your slumber. The hour has come. For you to wake up. For you to get out of the dark night. Of the soul. Because our salvation is nearer now. Than when we first. Believed. And that night. It's nearly over. It's nearly. Over. The day is. Here. There's a glorious morning coming. The sun is going to rise tomorrow and the sun is going to rise again. The sun that opened the door for us to have an eternity with God. The place in which we put our hope. A thrill of hope. A weary world. Rejoicing in the salvation that comes from the one Who was born on a holy night. And yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. Let's just pray and praise God for that new and glorious morning. Father, we do come before you so grateful for Luke chapter 2. We're grateful that the first words ever spoken over the airwaves was the story of the birth of the Son of the Most High God. And what a glorious and holy night that it was. And the weariness of the world was lifted. Because he took the sin of the world on his shoulders. And his death paid for that sin. His resurrection opened the door to heaven. Lord, we thank you so much for that holy night. That brought us so much hope. A thrill of hope. I pray for my friends in the room today. If they're in the midst of a weary moment, would you lift them out? If they're in the midst of a chaotic, dark dark night, would you bring in some light? Would you give them a thrill of hope today? Because we are one day closer than we were before. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.